Before beginning, let's cover a few housekeeping items. Firstly, the show is for informational purposes only. Secondly, the show is made for people with little to no understanding of Bitcoin. The information included are directionally accurate generalizations. Our goal is to simplify as much as possible. And lastly, if you're more of a visual learner, head over to our YouTube channel, also called Weights and Measures. You can find a link in the show notes of each episode. Welcome to the Weights and Measures podcast. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm John. And I'm Alexi. And this is the Who episode. So I wrote down some questions in preparation for this. And the biggest one that I have is, how can something that doesn't have any one person or company or entity, if you will, behind it, run whatever this Bitcoin is? Yeah, so who's behind this thing? Yes. And how can it be possible that... There is no CEO, which is strange. Who is behind Bitcoin? Um, I guess the first thing you'd have to cover is the story of Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor or discoverer of Bitcoin. They are, well, we're going to say he, um, and that is maybe controversial. Some, a lot of people stress it's they, them, could be a she, could be a group. Again, no one knows, but I am going off of his account. He made an account on a forum that he used from 2009 to 2011 where his account described himself as a 48-year-old male from Japan. So I'm just using that. So I say he when I am describing Satoshi Nakamoto. He is a sort of folklore. It's like a modern-day legend, if you will, to the people who know of him. It's There's a lot of mystery no one knows who they are, where they're from, how old they are. Nothing is known of the true identity of this person, for better or for worse. It is presumed that the reason this is the case because he knew what happens if you are known. The reason is that there's a throat to choke, if need be. So basically, if, if you create something powerful that maybe someone doesn't want, or a government or someone doesn't want, if they can show up at your house and make you turn it off, then they will. So with Bitcoin, that isn't something that isn't a risk factor. There isn't a CEO that someone can come knock on the door of and say, hey, turn this thing off or you're going to prison. Or the government pay them off to do whatever they want. Yeah. Or secretly say, hey, change it for this reason or print us some more Bitcoin or you're going to jail kind of thing. So that can't happen with, with Bitcoin and pretty much every other cryptocurrency that is a risk factor where someone can go knock on the inventor of the cryptocurrency and enforce them to turn it off or to tweak or or do anything they want, which is not great. There is a lot of different opinions and possibilities of who this Satoshi character is because it's such a unique skill trait to make Bitcoin. You had to be extremely knowledgeable in a couple different fields. Um, like you had to be really knowledgeable in history, monetary history, economics, um, and then you had to be a really good computer programmer, computer science, and you had to know cryptography. So you had to know a combination of all of these things, and very few people have that skill set. So really, people kind of narrowed down like a list of 10 potential people um, that they think this Satoshi character be. All of them deny it. Um, some of them are alive and well. Some have passed. A lot of people presume Satoshi is dead because it would be too irresistible to come out and take credit for such an invention. 
Like he's like the 50th richest person on the planet and he hasn't made a peep. Whoever this person is, like that's a hard thing to resist. Most people would come out and say, all right, I, I did this and then become famous and rich and all that. But they haven't claimed, no one's claimed any credit. They've disappeared, presumed dead. Um, and there's even people who go around saying that they are Satoshi, trying to claim to be the person and no one believes them because it's, we call them fake Toshi is the name. Um, and they sue people for slander and saying, I am the real Satoshi. How dare you question me? And they have been suing people and doing conferences and going around the world pretending to be Satoshi, essentially. And a lot of people believe them. Um, but it's quite simple to prove that you're Satoshi. The, the Bitcoin community says, just move, move your keys, move your coins. Like We know Satoshi was the first person to acquire Bitcoin because they invented it. And they have a wallet with about a million Bitcoin on it. And it's quite simple. If you want to prove your Satoshi, move your keys, move the coins. And this person, fake Toshi, hasn't done it. He keeps coming up with excuses to, to avoid doing it. So, um, and there's many other holes in his, his theory. And he's kind of a scammer at this point. A prolific scammer. Um, so no one knows who this person is. There are people out there, speculations, we don't know for sure. But that's the person behind Bitcoin. They disappeared in 2011. Um, their last message on the, on the message board online was WikiLeaks, the release of government documents. WikiLeaks is a famous um, news agency that released documents. And they were banned from receiving all payments in 2011. PayPal, Visa, everyone seized their operations and said no one can pay these guys anymore because they got pressured by the government. And they immediately, that's Julian Assange, they immediately started receiving Bitcoin to their website. And Satoshi didn't like that. He said it wasn't ready. He says Bitcoin's too early, it's too young, and we're not ready for this kind of mainstream usage. And he said, I'm out. His last message was, they've kicked the hornet's nest and they're coming right after us. And he hasn't been heard from since. That was the last message that he sent. And he's been gone ever since. And basically left the project in other people's hands. Now, this is where things get a little confusing, but he essentially distributed the power of this thing to the community. He said, you guys are in charge of this now. I'm out. So when it comes to making changes or upgrades, it's the community that takes care of all of that? Yeah, it's kind of a messy process because how can you have a, how can you have quick decision making if it's a community thing? It's really rough and muddy yes. and art there's a ton of arguments a ton of different opinions different opinions exactly how to best approach things um different risk factors i mean just it's it's really muddy and challenging but it's beautiful at the same time because it's forcing everyone to come to con it's called consensus like we need to come to an agreement and move in a direction or not like yeah we don't want to it's kind of like they compare it to nuclear reactors. Like, you don't want to just rush into making a nuclear reactor because the consequences are dire. If you mess it up, it could be disastrous. They, they approach Bitcoin with the same thing. We're like, we are not moving fast with this thing. We are extremely careful when it needs to be extremely safe and secure and robust. So we need to move really slow. And anything we add needs to be 100% bulletproof. And they spend years debating, years checking the code, and then they will agree to basically vote on a change. And this has happened a couple of times within Bitcoin over its almost 15-year history now where the community spent 
year, two year, three years kind of vetting a new upgrade to the protocol. And then they, everyone kind of, enough people, like 90% of, of everyone who can vote, you get one vote per computer. And Satoshi talks about this early on where each computer is considered a node in the network. And if 90% of the nodes agree on a protocol change, it can be signaled that, hey, this thing can be installed here and added to the network. And that takes a long time. It's very difficult to get that, but it's happened. So there has been improvements to Bitcoin. It's better than it was 15 years ago, and it's not done improving, but it's a really slow, painful process, which is the opposite of all the tech companies. Kind of the tech slogan is move fast and break things. Like That was Mark Zuckerberg's um, famous line about just innovating as fast as you can. Like Just come up with stuff and move. We need to move quick. Innovate. Innovate. With Bitcoin, it's like, no, 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 pump the brakes. We got to be super safe because if this thing gets hacked, it's game over. Like We yeah. can't have any sort of compromising code. So it makes sense to move really slow. And since it's a ledger, if it were to get hacked, is there a way to recover people's funds? Or is it much like when you send it, it's gone forever? Like cash? Yeah, I think it's, you're saying like if, if someone's wallet gets hacked or if, no, like the whole, if like the whole network goes down for whatever reason. Yeah, that, like a catastrophic bug or hack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that there would... Is a way to recover? There is. There is. It would be very turbulent time, that's for sure. Um, it hasn't happened. Bitcoin's worth $500 billion and no one has hacked this thing. Many, many, many people have tried. If someone did... Like, hypothetically, it is possible. Like, just like someone could win the lottery 10 times in a row, right? Like, there is a mathematical chance that you could. Yeah. There is a mathematical chance that someone could hack Bitcoin. It's extremely unlikely. Like, extremely unlikely. But if it did happen, yeah, they could, the community could come together and say, okay, let's let's start, it's called a fork, where you start a new ledger from that point of the hack. And you adjust, you fix the pat, you patch up the code, and you start a new ledger, a new account that's recording everyone's transactions and monitoring who has what. So basically, you would keep the whole, you'd, everything would pretty much stay the same. You just patch up that one thing that got compromised, adjust it, and, and move over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so another big component to upgrading is Bitcoin Core, it's called. This is a group of developers. It's about there's, there's thousands of people that have contributed to Bitcoin across the world. Anonymous people, no one knows who these people are. Like if you just write the code and it, it's good, hundreds and, or thousands of other people verify it, it looks good. They can add something to Bitcoin. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what your credentials are. Anyone can add stuff to Bitcoin as long as the rest of the community confirms it's, it's good and not some garbage code or whatever. They can add it. It's called a... BIP, B-I-P, it's an acronym for Bitcoin Improvement Proposal. And these are any sort of improvements. You have to propose them, then they're checked by the community for weeks, months, years, and then it is voted on. So that's how they add stuff to Bitcoin, the community. And it's a very um, kind of a murky, muddy consensus, um, a murky way to come to agreement. But it's again, it's it's worth it because there isn't a single person that can decide hey, we're going to change this for this reason. That can't happen, which makes it inherently a good money, a good reliable money because, I mean, imagine if there was like a CEO of gold and they were like, we're going to change the chemical components of gold and we want it to rust after 10 years so you can't just leave it in your vault. You have to 
come out. I mean, it's it's yeah. you just, it's great because we don't want to change it. That's the whole point. Much like any community, I have seen and heard of the echo chamber of Bitcoin. And what I'm trying to say is, I guess, um, are there any toxic trains of thought within the Bitcoin community? Yeah, this is a fun one. Um, but Bitcoin on- online, the Bitcoin community has a reputation for being toxic. Um, and they have embraced it. So now they call themselves the toxic maximalist, which is basically just your hardcore ideological. Um, some people even call them religious zealots. I mean, these people are extremely passionate about Bitcoin. They're extremely passionate about not changing it, about there being no one in charge, about it being a good thing for the world to have a neutral money that isn't controlled by anyone and they are extremely passionate about it to the point of being toxic like if someone like a said religious zealot almost yeah exactly and that may be off putting to some there was a Stanley Druckenmiller one of the most famous investors of all time went on CNBC and did an article where he mentioned he's never seen anything in his life that had such passionate people who didn't sell despite an 80% decline in in price. And he's been investing for for decades. He goes, I've never seen anything like that. And he invested partly because of that, because there's such a passionate community behind this thing. If that continues to grow and there's a limited supply of Bitcoin, it means this thing can only go one direction over the long run. Now there can still be price declines and and all that, but in general, over the long run, it means if this community is growing and they're constantly buying more Bitcoin and Bitcoin is becoming increasingly scarce, um, then the price can only go one thing. So as an investor, he loved that aspect. He likes, and many, and myself included, we think the toxicity and the reluctance to change and the ideological side of of the Bitcoin community is, is a good thing because we want people passionate about defending this thing. We want people out on TV saying, no, 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 we don't care about any of the other cryptocurrencies. We don't care about anything other than just protecting Bitcoin and what is important to us. And that's 21 million coins. It's, it's a difficulty adjustment. It's proof of work. These are different components of Bitcoin and we're not going to change them because we like it the way it is and we think it's resilient. So these people are very important to Bitcoin's success. The toxic Bitcoin maximalists. Yeah, and it, it's off-putting to a lot of people because someone will come in and, and like genuinely be curious about and they'll ask kind of a, a noob question. And, and everyone <laughs> And people can be mean to them. And so you have to have, you kind of have to have a thick skin. If you're in person and you talk to a Bitcoiner, they're going to be very helpful and, and answer every question. They'll talk to you for 10 hours straight because they're passionate about Bitcoin. But online, it can, you can hide behind a screen. Yeah, and it can come across as rude and you're just like, what? Go go buy Ethereum. You don't get it kind of thing. And that can come across as, as toxic and, and rude. And to a degree, they're correct. And it's unfortunate. I mean, people are going to troll online no matter what. I mean, anywhere you go online, there are yeah. trolls. Bitcoin has trolls. Every community has trolls and no matter and toxic people so to chalk up the whole community as toxic is misleading i mean there are some of the nicest people i've ever met and interacted with ever have been bitcoin people they're very humble very helpful will help answer any question and they just want the world to be a better place exactly exactly but there are toxic people within there so you can't confuse the two like you get all the above bitcoin is just a bunch of individuals coming together agreeing that the rules on this monetary system are great and we don't want to change it 
Yeah. And some people are going to be rude. Some people well, are going to be nice. This monetary system, just just to clarify, you're not mm-hmm. talking. You're talking about the Bitcoin monetary system. Yes, we are. Yeah, Bitcoiners are usually pretty anti-fiat monetary system. Okay, and fiat is the one that the rest of the world is on. That's our current monetary system. Yep, the U.S. dollar, the Chinese um, yuan, the Japanese yen, the euro. All these things are fiat money, which um, fiat means by decree. So it's it's money. Because a government said so. There is no okay. backing to it. Fiat means so this, by decree. Yeah. This piece of paper is a certificate that, because I said so. That's right. And if you disagree, we got a jail over here for you kind of thing. Like you can't counterfeit it. There's rules, right? And they have a, yes. it's a threat of force and violence that makes everyone um, use this thing. Because it was gold for most of humanity. And then we had a couple world wars and we had a power, a, a fight for power. And the people in charge ended up kind of changing the rules and, and saying we're no longer going to use gold we're going to use this this money over here and it was fiat money and, um, that's a whole another story we, we talked about that in some other episodes but I left out an important piece um, at the beginning Satoshi and all a lot of the Bitcoin community identify with a movement it's a group online called the cypherpunks the cypherpunks are a group of online programmers a lot of them are anonymous and they've existed for decades they started like in the 90s um, where they talk about cryptography and they talk about computers being a tool for preserving human privacy and helping human flourishment like preserving freedom of speech that's kind of their core ideological stand and the cypherpunks were trying to invent a money that was um, like a cash that could live online they were trying it for decades Um, and satoshi basically built and he mentioned this in a lot of his writings. He goes, those other monies failed because of their centralized nature. And he, he built and innovated on those previous failed attempts. So we kind of looked at each one and assessed, okay, this one failed for that reason. Okay, this one failed for this reason. And he fixed each patch and kind of patched it all together and, and made and made Bitcoin and released it to the cypherpunks, which was, again, this group of hardcore privacy and kind of like techno cryptographers that existed online and they are the ones who kind of incubated and grew bitcoin in the early years so bitcoin was born out of that community whereas today bitcoin is just grouped with the degenerate crypto gambling ftx um coinbase just go on and buy dogecoin and and those things are the complete opposite of what the bitcoin ethos is bitcoin ethos is is privacy it's it's um the ability to transact from one person to another. It's not get-rich-quick schemes like the majority of the cryptos are with no real use case. They're just kind of marketing scams, if you will. Whereas the Bitcoiners are trying to carve out a freedom-preserving section on the internet. We're like, hey, this internet money can't be controlled or censored by anyone. And that is what Bitcoin's core value is. And that's what the cypherpunks stood for and stand for to this day. They're still around. Um, and that's what Satoshi, that's where he was a cypherpunk. And there's other big names like Nick Zabo and Adam Back and Wei Dai. And there's a bunch of names. I, mean, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but that's where Bitcoin was born from. We have the actual names of these people. Yeah, they're, some of them are on Twitter. They give speeches at conferences. Yeah, exactly. Nick Zabo, and he made a cryptocurrency before cryptocurrencies called BitGold in the early 2000s, late 90s. And it failed for various reasons. A lot of people think he is Satoshi. <laughs> He's a prolific programmer, a prolific historian, 
knows monetary history, but he's denied it over and over and over. And none of the cypherpunks are willing to give up who Satoshi is. None of them know, even, they couldn't tell you, as far as anyone knows, they couldn't tell you who Satoshi is if they wanted to, even if you put a gun to their head. Satoshi didn't leave any breadcrumbs. There is no, you can't triangulate where he came from. He used, people don't think he's actually Japanese. They think he just put that, um, and that's based on the way he typed. He would use British slang. Like he'd say, this thing is bloody hard to explain to people. And he would, his posts during the day were usually around midday in British time zones, which was middle of the night in Japan or something like that. They kind of triangulated when the most of his posts were when he was most active on the forums. Unless he was an insomniac. That could be. That's the thing. We don't know yeah. Yeah, any of it. Whether or not he's Japan or British or American or it doesn't, it's all doesn't irrelevant. Matter. And that's what he, that's kind of the whole point was, hey, it doesn't matter who I am. What matters is this thing I just created and it changing the world. Like, let's talk about that. Not who I am. Which is quite humble. It's kind of the most unbelievable story when you really think about what he has managed to do without taking credit. It's quite a stroke of humility to do. It's kind of hard to resist the fame and fortune that he has, but they haven't. We can see his coin. So Satoshi has like a million or so Bitcoin. It's like 900,000 in a wallet that he generated in the early days when no one else was really that into Bitcoin. Everyone thought it was a joke. He acquired just through mining Bitcoin in the early days, a million or so Bitcoin. And that Bitcoin is still sitting there. It's never moved, which means he never cashed out. Like he didn't take it and go sell it. It's still just sitting there to this day and he's disappeared. So what appears, it appears that this person created this thing and gifted it to the world and disappeared and didn't profit from it. It's pretty unbelievable. And that's kind of that ethos of Bitcoin lives to this day. It's our ethos of our podcast. We are anonymous because we just want to talk about the ideas here and that this innovation is here to change the world and not talk about who we are because it shouldn't matter. Which what is matters cool. is the ideas. That's right. So that's our Who episode. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed. I'll have some links in the show notes of articles by people exploring who Satoshi is and how Bitcoin improvement proposals happen and all that kind of good stuff. You can find those in the show notes. Thanks for joining. Yep, thank you for joining.